people ask me, should everybody go to counseling? Everybody go to counseling and I always say everybody should live an examined life. So most of the time you like need that. you need to you need help to do the examination. And so whatever that is for you, a pastor, a counselor, a coach, a friend that's really intentional. So seek to live an examined life. What's up, guys? I'm here to tell you this episode is brought to you by CrowdHealth. CrowdHealth is a new, fast-growing, tech-enabled, well-capitalized, community-powered alternative to traditional health insurance. Founded by Andy Schoonover, a proven founder and entrepreneur with a successful track record, including a $100 million-plus exit. By the way, Andy's been on this podcast in the past. CrowdHealth uses the power of crowdfunding, member ratings, unlimited choice, and huge cash pay discounts to provide a simple, considerably less expensive solution to managing your medical bills. CrowdHealth gives you full agency and sticks with you no matter where you move or what jobs you take on. You've heard of Big Pharma, but you may not know, Big Insurance is actually the man behind the curtain. With 12 of the last 15 heads of the FDA taking jobs in Big Pharma and 64% of its funding coming from private industry, don't hold your breath waiting for the government to save the day. It's safe to say our system's broken. It's time to take your well-being into your own hands, and CrowdHealth helps you do just that. You'll pay into your individual account monthly, and if you ever want to leave, you'll simply pay a $250 closing fee, and they will return the entire balance in your account to you because it's your account. Because it's crowdfunded, we all have a vested interest in each other's health. They even cover up to $300 a year in routine wellness visits. So far, for every $100 members have paid into their accounts, an average of only $30 has been paid out. So you can expect to see your money grow in your account over time. Take that, big insurance. Join today by visiting joincrowdhealth.com and using the promo code KLP to pay only $99 a month for the first three months. That's joincrowdhealth.com, promo code KLP. Joincrowdhealth.com, get you some. All right. Well, Chad and uh, Mika Carger, we love you guys very much. Thank you for doing this. We really appreciate it. And not only do we love you, we respect you. And I would even dare say look up to you guys oh, in a yeah. lot of ways. Just and dare to say that. Don't I just dare that. to say it. <laughs> <laughs> I just did. We love you all too. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah. But one of the areas that we definitely look up to you guys in is your parenting because you've been helpful with us in that area in the past. And... Um, you're empty nesters and you have that sort of proof of concept. Mm. <laughs> and, and so we feel like, uh, you know, for the most part, we, we feel like, uh, we can't tell whether we're very average parents or the worst parents in the world. Yeah. And, uh, if, and we've been, I, I say we, we feel like we've been going through a rough patch in the last, I don't know, half a year probably. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so we were thinking, well, we want to get with you guys and we were, trying to figure out whether it should be a podcast or literally just get with you guys and ask you some <laughs> questions about parenting. But I was like, well, the no, worst that can happen, exactly. The worst <laughs> that can happen here is we make a fool of ourselves, you know? Yeah. So we opted to see if you guys would do the podcast. So here um, we are. Thank you very much. So happy to be here. Thanks for having 
Okay. Yeah. Yep, just stay nice and close, Mika. Oh, yeah, and Mika, you were trying to pretend like you were nervous about this or whatever. Well, just so you know, you don't need to be nervous on this podcast because no one listens to it. So you're, <laughs> so you're good. This is not the podcast to be nervous about. <laughs> we can get that out of the Her way. Her kids are probably going right to listen to it. Yeah. So yeah. That's, yeah. Well, at least we'll get three extra listeners on this one. <laughs> Well, see, we have a daughter-in-law and a future daughter-in-law, oh, so sweet. you might get okay. five All extra right. listeners. Yeah. Better yet. Better yet. <laughs> so, Better yet. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. And, and, I mean, you guys are great parents, and you have been so hospitable and had us over to your home and been around your family and spent time with you guys. So it just And we get to be in the same church family Absolutely. as you guys. So that, yep. It's just wonderful. It's, it's no a pleasure doubt. to be here. So. No doubt. Well, thank you. Yeah. yeah. And I will also say, like, our kids are – so far, they're turning out pretty well, which doesn't make any sense. But this is like a basic. Yeah. yeah, this is definitely one of the basic parental things that I say to myself and whoever's listening to me talk about this is my kids making you look better as a parent than I actually am. Wow. Okay. So it's like there's so much of the the magic sauces as we know in all aspects of our life as Christ followers is God's grace. Yeah. And nowhere is that more apparent Hmm. than being a parent. (laughs) Mm. Mm. So to me, like this is, we were talking about this coming on. We were driving home from an event last night and we were talking about how the way we said it in the car was, um, there are no, experts who are being parents you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like parenting is not the job of an expert mm-hmm. like to me this is such a if there's an expert they probably don't have kids yeah okay and i would say <laughs> you know or I, maybe one or two <laughs> look i feel like if we'd have stopped at two or no let's put it this way <laughs> of the five we could pull out pretty much two and feel pretty good yeah. about the situation maybe even three but all five together yeah. Yeah. well i just think like that's this to me is like so important and our Christian faith really gives us the language to be able to openly talk about this idea that parenting is not the job of an expert parenting. We were talking about the passage in Paul's letter where he says we're jars of clay Mm -hmm. and we possess, we hold this surpassing power, which is from God, not from ourselves. And so as a parent, you really are a vessel when you think about it and what you're giving to your kids, whether it's DNA, life, food, you know, days, or even the spiritual principles, they don't originate in you. They were given to you and, and you're passing that along to them. You're stewards of that. You're, they belong to God. You're in their life on behalf of God. And I think, you know, that to me is just like everything we're going to say, you know, in relationship to this today, that's like a major foundational principle that frames up the discussion as far as, you know, we're concerned on this topic. So, so would that be an area where that's sort of like a truth that we would have as believers that, you know, I guess not everyone would have. Exactly. Like, you know. I think that's, this is where like, it's so helpful to have a biblical framework that really tells a really good story about what it means to be a parent. 
like when you think about it, one of the a distortion of that is to think that you have to be an expert and that you might get it really, really wrong and you probably will. And that's really tragic uh, and irreversible and inalterable. You know what I'm saying? Oh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I do know what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> and what does that conjure up? Like we were just saying in the car, it conjures up fear, which is the worst thing you could be processing as a parent really is this deep sort of existential fear spiritual fear and it, it not a good foundation <laughs> not a good foundation and so to me like yeah i think you know when you when you just venture into the bookstore and look at books on parenting you know there's this sense in which you're either going to get it right or wrong you're either going to learn how to do this really well or you're going to be a failure i was Oh. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. Well, I was just telling Chad a funny story on the way over. I was remembering when I was pregnant with our first, we had a couple, a few friends visit us from um, Houston. We were living in Denver at the time. And I was, you know, six months pregnant. And they're like, they were about 10 years ahead of me in life and had kids. And they're like, what parenting books are you reading? <laughs> and I was like, none. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> I, and it was just kind of funny. It's like, I... But I wasn't, I don't know, I, I didn't depend on somebody else's advice, Okay. you know, yeah. I just, you know, we were in it together and um, walking with Jesus and just trying to live authentically with our little family and, yeah. and yeah, being just honest. Yeah. Was, was that a, so was that, did that theme then stick with your parenting? Uh, Did you never really read a whole ton of parenting books? Yeah, no. Okay. Not a lot. And we haven't really either. We haven't. Yeah, I don't know. Of all the books I'm attracted to, I guess I haven't felt an urge for that. You know, I just think like there's just as a parent, you're you're kind of getting at this a minute ago. You just you never know how well you're doing at it. How you're it's such a long game. Like how how effective are these things that we're doing? Like. Where are we going to see the payoff on this? Where are we going to see the fruit of this? It's just like, it's just so far off in, in some of the things that you're really, it's like, you know, kind of like growing a garden or something. It's like, you're really committed to the long haul here. And other people might come into your life and say like, man, your kids seem to be really doing well or they'll, your kids are really doing well. But you're like, okay, thankful. Yeah. I'm glad you see that. I'm glad you're saying that. They do seem to be doing pretty well. I'm thankful for that. But the payoff in this way, the 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 fruit of it is just such a long game. It's mm-hmm. such a long perspective. And, of course, that's, to me, again, our faith, the Christian faith and teaching in Scripture really has a lot to say about that. You know, faith, the idea of faith is that. And that's where I think in, outside of our Christian faith and just the culture in which we live, that's why parenting is is a really difficult thing to grapple with because you know you're you're bringing your own baggage. There's a real sense of like hopelessness in that. Like I'm gonna do all this damage to my child, and then what? It's like we have an answer to that. We are gonna damage them. We are gonna hurt them. We are gonna do things that confuse them, disparage you know whatever. Mm-hmm. But our hope is not that we're in the end, great parents. Our hope okay. is in Christ. So Christ, to me, like, that's what I'm just saying. That's so foundational. Christ is at the center of the parenting journey, you know, and that to me is just before we get into a lot of, like, 
granular things around parenting. That's the principle. Hopefully we can just keep coming back to and thinking through, you know? Yeah. And it's like good news and bad news all at once because the the good news is kind of obvious there. The bad news is that if they actually then turn out to be great, however you want to judge that, you can't take any credit really. (laughs) It really takes the pressure off. It does take the pressure off. Absolutely. That should be the effect of it. I think there's a sense in which now as then you can like be curious you can play. Like, I think one of the things that Mika did really well, she's joking about not reading books about being a parent, but she was really committed to things that she really enjoyed and bringing the kids along in that, like going for walks in the park, bike rides, that sort of thing. And I think this is like such a huge thing as a parent is you can get stuck in this place where you're trying to prohibit things and, and you can kind of overplay your hand there, especially as they get older. And the idea is to really invite them into the better story. Mm-hmm. It's not, don't go over, it's not so much, stop doing that, don't say do less, that. No. Yeah, say yeah. less, you know, as few no's as possible yeah. and more yeses. Mm-hmm. I mean, and so that was something that, you know, I was working, Mika stayed home with our kids uh, in the early years there, and they spent a lot of days at the park. We did. I, I yeah, we were outside as much as possible. <laughs> That was just a natural interest for you. Absolutely. And you were just bringing them and along. I, th- I mean, honestly, I really think that's important, you know, to be outside and God's mm-hmm. creation and beauty and glory and and to move and not be sitting in front of a television, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, we if, if it was a pretty day, forget nap times, we're outside. Okay. Who cares about the dishes? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah, we were outside a lot. I just felt like that was important. Well, we couldn't agree with that more. I mean, it, it legitimately, like joking aside, it's one of the benefits of having been raised Amish and Mennonite. Oh, yeah, that's We didn't true. have TVs. Like, you didn't, yeah. well, and back then, no one had iPhones and no one had tablets, tablets and stuff. And but that, yeah. we didn't have TVs and weren't supposed to listen to the radio. So, I mean, it's like, well, you got to find something to do. Mm-hmm. And if it's nice outside, it's a whole lot easier to find something to do outside than inside. I Absolutely. think being Canadian without cable might have been a lot like being Amish. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> Did you not have? We had a couple of channels. Oh yeah. (laughs) How about internet? So Canadians without Canadians without cable. (laughs) No one had internet. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, this is amazing. Canadians without cable or internet are like Amish in the United States. This is like a revelation. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, this is you know like we talked about this podcast is conversational this is going to be conversational of course but i feel like this one maybe is also a little bit different in that like we have questions and we text them to you guys you did so i'm gonna like unashamedly just read some questions too or not read but but make sure we speak to them um how how well what is the role of parents and how did you guys generally go about it and i know you're already talking about it but keep them alive (laughs) yeah Yeah, i mean like we were saying You know, yeah, give them life at a really basic level. Like that's, as a parent, by definition, that's what you've done. And if even if you've adopted a child, you're still cultivating real physical, biological life in them. But at this, as you kind of just move up, you know, spiritual life and in a sense of, you know, God's presence in their life and that they're not the center of the universe. I mean, yeah, those are some of the things to me. Um Help them to explore the world. Give them a sense of curiosity. Yeah. You know, these are things to me definitely that we were planting. And find out what they're curious about. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, I we, I mean, 
probably didn't do that as well as it could have, but um, what they are curious or passionate about, give them, you know, assuming it's a good thing, give them the, empower them to be able to explore that and, and to do that if it's in within your means, mm-hmm. you yeah. know. And empower and them, yeah, I think, and have a healthy sense of themselves, again, in the context of God who created them. So kind of put them in their place, mm. as it were, you know, as a parent, that's, that's that's a seems like a real foundational issue is like kind of put them in their place, which is both kind and it sometimes feels severe to a child, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and the role this just come to my head right now, but we're supposed to be teaching them always, not just like now we're going to have Bible study time. I mean, you know, we're supposed to always be talking and engaging mm-hmm. with them, and you know, hopefully being like you're saying a vessel and for the Holy Spirit to be speaking into their lives and shepherding them. I mean, that's, that's not an, you know, set aside for 30 minutes a day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. You think about like the best teacher in the world would be someone who you could apprentice. Sure. Yeah. You, know, you could come alongside of. And I mean, that's really, I mean, is what you're doing with your child is like, you know, come along with me. And let me show you this. Because we're on the we're we are on the same road as our kids. Yeah, we're just a little mm-hmm. further down. Yeah. <laughs> but we, we don't have it all figured yeah, out. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the big and um, revelation. Eventually, in the kid's life, is like, oh, you don't know it all. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've yeah. told Lincoln already, our oldest son. I was like, buddy, I'm because we were working through something. I was like, I don't know mm-hmm. how to do this either. This is the first time that. I'm parenting and a 12 year old, like yeah. I'm just trying to figure this out with you. Great. So that's having, nice. you know, trying to, to have them understand as well that mm. you're walking this road too. You're not always sure what you're doing. Absolutely. And yeah. you're the fact that you're willing to be vulnerable and honest huge. is so huge. Yeah. And when you screw up to say, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. that was yucky. And I didn't respond well, or I shouldn't have, you know, said that or I should have let you do that or whatever. I mean, just being willing to be honest. Again, I think we have, that's where our Christian faith gives us such a compelling picture of that, you know, like that humility in parenting and that, um, newsflash. I don't know it all. You know, I've never had a 12 year old. This is my first go around. Mm -hmm. And to me, those are really fruitful seeds that you're planting in his life. Even if it's, you know, did you hear me? Did you hear what I said there? That was pretty big. That, that'll that mature. He'll hear that and see that over the years and really come back to that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it is, it is, it is kind of cool seeing, like, how smart, how quick they get smart. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know? I mean, Lincoln's 12. He's almost 13. So, you know, he's plenty old enough to piece two and two together, but... This is a couple months ago. He was like, now your dad died at 10. Is it possible? You don't really know how to mm. like, is it possible? Like you, you, you're, you don't, you basically like, you, you don't know, know what, what you're, you're doing. doing. <laughs> <laughs> it's entirely possible, buddy. Yeah. It's entirely possible. I'm going to go in the other room now and get some tissues. I'll be right back. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that up. Now the best talks that I've had with Lincoln, um, I think he's, he's been great to have as a firstborn Mm -hmm. because like he's paving the way, you know, (laughs) and it's, uh, like just going on a walk with him, Mm. going on a walk, like a little walk and talk or something. That's seems like the best way to get, get through to him. Um, you mentioned, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, you mentioned the idea of instilling, I don't think you said like self-esteem, but 
you know, having them have a dignity about themselves. Mm. What are some of the ways that you went about that? Is I mean, it just being respectful to them, treating huh, them like a human? I think that's part of it is respecting their point of view, uh, noticing what they're good at and affirming them in that. I think too having them in adult spaces. We, you know, we had some really important friends in our life that they are, they were friends with. I mean, you know, that respected them as human beings. You know, mm-hmm. they were still children at that time, but they really were welcomed into that space, and that's it's dignifying. That's very dignifying. Yeah. yeah, I try to, and I'm pretty sure I'm not overboard with this because that would be weird. But I do try when I'm around like friends, close friends, and that have kids. I try to like acknowledge the kid, yeah, you know, because I remember how that felt as a kid. Absolutely, when one of your parents' friends or just another adult mm-hmm. acknowledge you, you know, whether yeah. they just gave you a fist bump or a high five, or whatever it was, hey, what's up? Just acknowledge you. Absolutely, it goes a long way. It goes as a, a long kid. way. Yeah, and I think as it you, this is kind of this. I don't want to go off this tangent too much, but sometimes in the Christian faith, we are so afraid of inflating the self that he, that such that it eclipses who God is. So the self is centered that we almost go overboard in not cultivating a healthy sense of self and identity. Mm-hmm. But if you, again, if you start with that first premise we were talking about, Christ is at the center of this project. These kids belong to them. What we're giving them is the power of God, not our own. Then you can, in that context, really encourage and, you know, help them Mm -hmm. grow in this sense of identity building and concept of self. Mm -hmm. And they grow to appreciate that in this bigger picture, you know. I think it's important, too, to remind them. I'm distinctly remembering a a time with Amy when she was was young, and, and I think this was right around the time that she came to faith, and she had gotten in trouble, and... You know, she was upset, and she's like, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm like, Amy, she, she was like going to will herself. I was like, mm-hmm. you actually are. You're going to mess up. I said, that's why we need Jesus. That's why we all need Jesus. Mm-hmm. So I think, yes, giving, obviously, um, building them up and, and giving them dignity, but also reminding them that they actually are sinful. You know, they, they have to live a confessional life also. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. going to mess up. Did you do anything to prompt that confessional life? Like, like, uh, I don't know, like I, it's a manual term, but I think of like walking in the light with the kids or whatever. Did, or did you just sort of model that for them by you going to them and admitting if you made a mistake well, and that was a way to we teach did do them that. that or? Yeah, we definitely sure. did that. And, um, to each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, you know, we were attending church regularly, and so we had them in spaces where this was being taught. We talked about it, you know, on the point, just scripture around the dinner table, you know, how important it is. And so, you know, I think, again, you're kind of modeling for them this better way. Mm-hmm. This is a, There's a better way to live, you know. And it's not a burden in the sense of, like, woe is me. I'm a complete loser, you know, shame filled, you know, there's a lot of dignity in the concept of sin and forgiveness, Mm -hmm. humility, gratitude, reconciliation, you know, 
so to me, like it's really cultivating that idea. Uh, well, saying sorry to them. <laughs> yeah, saying. I, I remember. I mean, losing you know my temper when they mm-hmm. boys. This, but I remember when they were little, just like ah, you know, it's exhausting, you know, and and I I do remember saying sorry. And with the sweetest thing, they're so quick to forgive mm-hmm. and they just move on. They are. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm a mess, but you know, <laughs> yeah. they're so forgiving. But modeling that, yes, mm-hmm, to yeah. them, like apologizing when I mess up mm-hmm. towards them. What were some of the other key values that you guys were deliberate about wanting to instill in the kids? We talked about this. This is one of the questions you sent to us. And so, one of the ways that we were talking about it was like, we kind of took it a different way. We said we really were trying to cultivate virtue in their life like the Christian virtues. So create created an environment where you really learn these virtues of humility, generosity, like the fruit of the spirit that God wants to bring about in your life and faith, hope, and love, these you know, Christian virtues. And as we were talking about it, I my approach was more of like kind of thinking through and creating those virtues. And then you could talk about the values, like, like how to kind of orchestrate your life, like how to make choices. To me, it, that seemed like the right order. It seems like the the right order that you can go. And like then they get put into school or they're in sports and you've laid down this virtue, this foundation for virtues. Then you put them in these contexts where they begin to experience loss, rejection, failure, success, you know, whatever. Now you can talk about like what's most important. How does that connect with our virtues? What we believe, you know. How would you? So the difference between a virtue and a value is interesting. Mm-hmm. Is there a easy definition, or how do you think about that? I mean, I think about virtue as being more of like a character, mm-hmm. like a development, and values are like to me connected with our beliefs. And our, yep. our cognitive structures, you know, and of course, scripture informs both of those for us. Mm-hmm. But the way you think about it, it's, you know, it might be just semantics, but God sort of changes the man and it changes his life. Mm-hmm. He changes the heart and it changes his way. Mm-hmm. I think of value as kind of generating the way that we live by and God changes the heart, which is really where the virtues. Oh, that's, you yeah, know, that's and interesting. so to me, like as a parent, that's what you're doing. These kids are are just so moldable at such a foundational level, and that's what you're really shaping in them is this again these char- these these virtues. You know? So, like candor would be probably a value, and then love would be a virtue. Yeah, exactly. I yeah, would. Okay. Yeah, interesting. Wow. Yeah, I mean that is that is something, isn't it? Because what stands out to me about that was something that I was thinking of recently too, which is like. Man, you know, the the Christian faith has the best answers for everything, <laughs> you know? Right. Like, I mean, it, and I don't think I'm saying that just because that's what I believe. Mm-hmm. But, like, when you think about those virtues, the fruits mm-hmm. of the Spirit, if you have those and yeah. you live your life in those ways, that's about as good of a foundation as you can sort of set. It's pretty compelling. Yeah, for, for like, that's a really good way to go through life, actually. Yeah. That's going to cause good things to you and from you. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a really good foundation. Yeah. But I don't know enough about other religions to know if like, you know, if the other, some of the other ones have really good foundation like that also or, or not. But 
it does seem like the the Christian faith does have even like, you know, like what happens after you die. Yeah. Well, wouldn't it be great if that wasn't just the end of things? Yeah. You know? Like yeah. and the the Christian faith has a belief on that too. And yeah. it's actually pretty it's about as best case scenario as you're gonna get. <laughs> and the Christian faith has a free thing called grace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. That we don't have to do anything actually. Yeah. We're doing something because are compelled to out of love and mm. gratitude and it, but it's not we're not trying to earn anything yeah. so yeah. i think that's kind of the key to the question oh, so. <laughs> yeah no doubt so. uh, yeah i think that like you know love is such a what's motivating yeah us. like love is when you read first corinthians 13 that passage about god's love and what it looks like and all of its beauty and power and when we catch glimpses of that in the world by other people reflecting that to us, it's so powerful. It really is life-changing. Mm-hmm. And so as a parent to think that that your kids have a front row seat to that, you know, um, is just, that's such a, it's really humbling. And it's, th- I, th- I hope that there's like freedom in that, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And like you think about peace, like when you're just around someone who's just, has peace, like has inner peace. I mean, that's like that, that's, that's so compelling, Yeah, you know, and you put them all together. If you can, you know, have, have all of them, but each alone is really powerful. Humility. Yeah. My goodness. When you're around someone who has humility, like those things really stand out. Yeah. And I think that's what we, we didn't, we, we, you know, I'm not, this is not a judgment, but like, the way in which we went about doing this. And again, there's so many different ways to do this parenting thing. Well, you know, so what I'm about to say, how we did this, like we weren't sitting down with like charts and graphs and teaching on whiteboards or handouts, you know, in our family devotions, we were trying to capture, we were trying to kind of on the way of our life in sports, say, with the kids being in soccer or in their school or at our church or at a concert or in a film or listen to something on the news, we were trying to always bring, highlight the virtues or the contrasting virtue that was being shown and then how that would change your values and the way you chart. So we're always trying to capitalize on those moments. Yeah, just staying in conversation and engaging them. Exactly. I don't... I don't remember ever setting out when we were having kids saying what no, yeah, val- I, I, values or virtues do we want to No, I, I think these are things that we, we, just by God's grace, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I mean, th- that's yeah. God's faithful to give you that wisdom. That's mm-hmm. another really compelling part of the Christian belief is, you know, God says he's, he comes near to the humble, you know, and he gives us wisdom. And all we have to do is really ask for that. You know, and so as a parent, that's your, that's you're living and dying by that. Yeah. (laughs) For sure. Did you have anything uh, like resembling a daily habit where you would pray or read some, a devotional or read some scripture together? We would always have dinner together. Always. Always. Oh yeah. Pretty much. Every day? Almost every day? Yeah. Even when, you know, we had three kids playing club soccer. So that got a little crazy in the evenings. So there were I went, I remember a year where we we were having dinner at like four o'clock because soccer mm-hmm. okay. then we're like yeah. we yeah. are because everybody you know was okay so yeah dinner together would allow us to sit at the table together to pray together to talk through a day to talk through things that are happening in the world or our worlds or their world 
And then we we would have like times where we read the Bible. We'd sit in a circle sometimes as a family, and like I would pray for Mika, Mika would pray for Marianne, you would pray for you would pray for okay. him. And then uh-huh. we kind of do that, you know. Uh-huh. And so you know we read the Jesus Storybook Bible. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. And Chad was a lead pastor their whole time growing up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they say. were hearing him mm-hmm. from the pulpit every single week. So, yep. <laughs> yeah, it's like you know, we would maybe talk job. about that, sure. you know, yeah. at dinner, not always, but okay. sometimes, you know, might mm-hmm. come up or a kid might ask a question or. Yep. Yeah. But that also added to the busy schedule. Cause now you, I know you went through a patch where it was kind of crazy with your oh. schedule, but you still really sought to prioritize dinners together. Dinners. Yeah. It's inspiring. Just, yeah, it yeah. is. We both grew up that way. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I can't, I don't even know if I can really remember any time where we just like grabbed something and ran. Like yeah. we just, we sat down at the table and had dinner and it was 4.45. It was early. <laughs> um, 4.45 to 5 o'clock dinner. Mm. And um, we, we don't. We struggle with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think because um, the kids come home from school, do their chores and they want to meet up with their buddies yeah. and play. And so if we call them and we're like, hey, come in for dinner at five, they just, they don't like it <laughs> at <laughs> all. Like, they don't want to. And so it's like, well, can we have dinner at 630 when they come home? But by that time, the four-year-old, she's, you know, she's almost ready for bed. Mm-hmm. She's She's going to want her dinner earlier than that. I don't know. I, I think we need to figure out. I think the schedule is probably not the main issue. I think that it's not always the most peaceful time. Yeah. And it can yeah. be like sitting around the table can actually trigger a lot of contention. It seems no, like. that, that, that's. And so sometimes it's just easier not to do that. No, we definitely <laughs> had that. We had our one of our children. We have three. I won't name this <laughs> child, but. Their relationship with, like, say, carrots was oh, yeah, fairly we complex. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fairly combative. Yeah. Like, his, the, the way this child, like, maneuvered carrots down his stomach in the, was just like, seriously, what are you doing? Yeah, dinner yeah. wasn't always a habit. No, no. So yeah. I don't want to give real. the impression. Yeah. 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 So, you know, and so we definitely had moments or, you know, one of them was bugging the other or we weren't on the same page or so again there, but the, our great hope in that is not like that there, that we're always going to get it right at dinner time. And it's this beautiful synced up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's like, we're better together, even when we're a mess. Oh, okay. Oh, I okay. like that. You yeah, know, like even too. when we're like a mess and it's kind of tattered, we're still better together. Mm-hmm. And so to me, that again, that's a value that comes from that virtue of like, you know, humility, love, thinking of others, you know, so. Mm-hmm. And, but... I mean, that doesn't have to be something that every family does. No, that's, I, you know, I I don't, I'm not giving a commandment here. Yeah. Right. Heck no. Right. But it's interesting about that better together thing, because it's also interesting how I feel like maybe that's sort of what they desire down deep because Mm -hmm. Ava, our oldest daughter, who's uh, eight, Eight. um, like she came up with this slogan on her own, which is our family sticks together. She likes to draw a lot. And she would draw like, she almost had like a logo. Not almost. She had a logo for it. I think it was like a heart or something that said our family sticks together. And this would pop up on like various notes. And finally we're like, you know what? Let's, we can own that. Our family sticks together. Go Ava. 
So she like brought that into the family. Love it. And um, so it was like in like it was like inside of her, you know, like mm-hmm. that's what she desired, even though it can sometimes be contentious when we're all together. That's like what she desires that the family sticks together. I mean, that that's 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 it. That's yeah. So sweet. That's yeah. so sweet. That's so and just coming out of that place of like, you know, God obviously has given her that wisdom early in her life. She's sensing that that value starting to emerge for her. Like, that's beautiful. You're watching that happen. You're cultivating that. Yeah. Can you speak to, I I don't like the word balance and I got, I feel okay about that when Ray told me a few years ago, he doesn't like it either. So <laughs> I don't want to say uh, balance here. Let's say prioritization. That's a better word. Could you speak a little bit to the, to the, proper prioritization of your family because isn't it possible to get a little over the top with it like your family is all that matters Mm -hmm. and it's just like that's the only it's it's great almost like the only thing you focus on but then also can it can probably be under prioritized also how did you guys think about that well i don't think we had some set thing we were, you know, um, gosh, we, we just lived our lives. and yeah. but, but we try to be outward focused. I mean, we were serving in a church mm-hmm. all, always and started a nonprofit organization that was serving pastors. So mm-hmm. we always had people in our home. Like we would have people over for dinner sometimes like two or three nights a week. Oh, or wow. like when we, even like when we would go to Buena Vista, Colorado, yeah. if we were there for like, say three or four weeks, you know, we would have people, guests coming and going while we were there, visiting us while we were there. Yeah, right oh, on the okay. trail with them. Yeah, so our, the hospitality thing was a really big, that was, a you know, something that we really valued. It w- yeah, it was never just like, you know, seclude our family and keep us, you know, separate from the world, heavens. No, yeah. I mean, we were on yeah. soccer teams and mm-hmm. in the community, we were always, you know, I always volunteered in the schools or... Um, I or think, Chad did. We yeah, were. I think too, like this is, I, I don't know if Ray kind of prompted that idea in you or I, it really resonates with me in the sense that where we go awry sometimes inside of our Christian understanding of our roles as parents is it gets disproportionately prioritized in that it's almost like an idol. Our right. kids and our family are. Yep. And they, you lose the, bigger you lose the plot as they say you lose the bigger picture of this is a part of something much larger and when you get that reversed that's again where that's the soil out of which like fear you know these kids are like almost an extension of me and how well they do is a matter of my pride my standing my respectability in the community i mean everything after that is like darwinian and dark i mean it's that just doesn't go well. Mm-hmm. So again, that proper perspective, yes, of keeping the big things big, you know, and yeah. really cultivating that. So the kids' life, I mean, they got older, it got really complicated in terms of scheduling, but they knew at any given time that we could trump that situation and call an audible and change, or we were going to stay and not go out or you know they couldn't go out with friends or do x y and z we're gonna you know so 
there was always that sense in which none of us was the center, you know, mm-hmm. and and the kids certainly weren't. I mean, we brought them along. You yeah, know? that's right. I wonder if that's where a little bit of the the prioritization or the balance comes from mm-hmm. is like, um, and I'm just thinking out loud here is just like us serving mm-hmm. and pulling them in because I like that picture mm-hmm. of them being pulled in and being engaged with us alongside our journey. Yeah. I, th- I think that's, that's, I, I don't know. I don't know who kind of informed us to do that when we were young, you know, just kind of get started as parents, but it's something that again, maybe intuitively we just kind of sense there was a sense in which I, I can show you son or daughter, like something really beautiful in the world, something really powerful, something compelling. And so come along with me, you know, exactly. And see that. And don't you think ultimately deep down, no one really wants to be the center of the world Yeah, because they just have this awareness like that's not going to work. Well, it doesn't work. <laughs> that's exactly yeah. right. It's exactly right. Yeah. And I think that, um, I think I have memories of my dad playing catch with me. He loves softball mm-hmm. and, uh, and I was, and, and I was in baseball some and, and I'm, and I'm pretty sure I have that, that memory, but most of my memories are like, I'm going with him on a delivery. Mm-hmm. I'm riding with him as he mows the yard. We're, God forbid, weeding the garden together. <laughs> like all this stuff. Cause that, that, when I think of my childhood, that is what I think about was like I was being brought along mm-hmm. by my parents. Whatever they were doing, when it made sense for me to come along with that, go to the, go to the shop. Yeah. On Saturdays with dad. Like go, most of it was like they were just bringing me along with whatever they were doing. And, and I think where it kind of, because of the direction is like we really enjoyed going with them into their things. So, you know. Oh, when they got older? Yeah, as they got oh, older, it's like, okay. you know, going to their soccer games or going to a concert with them or going to a movie that they wanted to go see or like really being enthralled and curious, you know, about what they were doing and supporting that. Again, there's a real sense of dignity there. It's dignifying, but it also shows that reciprocity. You know, this yeah. goes both ways. You know, and and so it wasn't just always about me setting the tempo in that because that's not a real depiction of the world. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that um, one of the things that might help us is a little bit of a shift in mindset, because I think our instinctual response about when Jackson has to go to football or Lincoln needs to go to basketball or Jericho needs to go to baseball or back when they played soccer, which was a total joke, um, <laughs> that it's like it's like a in a calendar item. You know, like we got to go do this. They have to be here at this time. Then they need to be picked up. And do you wait or do you come home and pick them back up? But it's like very tactical. Yeah, like it's very like a to do. That's is. just our natural. It is. It is. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it can be maybe something a little bit more than that. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering because like there was a couple times this winter where we just she and I went to pick up Lincoln or or go to his go game. to his basketball mm-hmm. game because it was a Friday night and we're pretty hardcore about blocking out Friday nights and only being together mm-hmm. and. um and then we kind of, we had fun, you know, it was just yeah. like her and I, you know, That's went great. to Lincoln's basketball game. So I wonder if that is an area that we could sort of maybe keep working on as like a shift of focus there. Less about like they need to be less about like the to do and, and start to think a little bit more about like, this is us going along with their thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I will say, I mean, our kids all played soccer and so yeah there's a lot of carpooling a lot of driving you know driving around texas and 
And honestly, I mean, you could look at that as like, oh my gosh, I drove so much. But we had such good car time with our kids. Yeah. Okay. I mean, what a gift. They're stuck in a car with you yeah. for four hours. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're letting them yeah. DJ. And, but yeah. then they, they start talking. It's great. Like, so I'm very grateful for that time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like we, uh, our, our middle son, he, pra- he had a practice. At one point, he was practicing for more than a year. For a couple of years. At least, yeah. Where it was like a one-way drive to his practice three nights a week was like an hour and 20-ish, 30 what? minutes. Well, depending on traffic. Three but nights yeah. a week, an hour to an and hour. His yeah. practice one so that was one kid. And his we had practice three started at 8. <laughs> PM? 8 p.m.? 8 p.m. So this was indoor soccer? No, it was it was like in Texas, so the season. Oh, my so, goodness. So, like, you think about that, like, some of the times he would sleep when we first get going because he was tired. But usually he'd start waking up, might do homework. But, like, a lot of times on the way home, you're talking about that practice session he just had. You're talking about that particular player on his team, how the coach was addressing him or how what the coach is doing with you or you're listening to music together. And um, it wasn't that long ago that – Noah, that's our middle son that went on that. And as a parent, again, you're just like, and we told him like, hey, when you're done playing at this level, let us know because this is really (laughs) a huge pain, right? Did you both go or did your whole family go? No, no, we like one one of us would go usually, yeah. But um, yeah, it was not. not We were having to get other kids to soccer too. Yeah, (laughs) so sometimes there would be like divide and conquer, yeah. Yeah. But that one was usually like one person, you know, driving that far. And, um, but Noah, just not too long ago, he, I think he sent me the track, the, a particular song on a Coldplay song, uh, album that he remembers us listening to. Oh, that's cool. It, during that time. And he just said like, you know, dad, that time in the car going back and forth to Burroughs was the name of that part was just really meaningful to me. I look back on that with a lot of fondness huh. and I mean that, you know, you're you, that's what you hope for yeah. yep. and you're trying to make the most of it but it was that you know that was just one of those moments where it does come back and you get a moment to to reflect on that and but all of them had that you know well, can i interject yeah. for a sec i mean uh, when speaking of driving kids to soccer and um just getting a glimpse into their world uh, i we carpooled with amy a lot we had our little carpool group that we did so we'd meet at H-E-B, which is a great Texas grocery store. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> um, and then, you know, Every, one of us. Hey, by the way, yeah. everyone who's moving to Austin right now cannot stop talking about H-E-B. Oh, it's. <laughs> what it's is only. going on with H-E-B? <laughs> only we can get Howard E. Butts grocery store here. <laughs> really? Oh, it's amazing. Everyone who goes there becomes like a huge fan, like instantly. Oh, yeah. it's amazing. Anyway. We digress. Sorry, yeah. H-E-B, sorry. But anyway, so we'd meet there. And then, you know, one of us moms, it was usually a mom, once in a while a dad, but we'd. You know, all the girls, there would be about four or five girls all pile in the car. And, pre-teen, oh, my gosh, teenager. by the way, it's amazing how bad preteen girls smell. Like, they <gasps> After a soccer so practice. Bad. Oh, I believe that. Anyway. But, <laughs> <laughs> but <too laughs> oh, I know how the boys smell. <laughs> oh I hope it's goodness. not worse than that. <laughs> oh, <it's gross. laughs> anyway, but just but hearing the girls interact and hearing how your own child is interacting with them in that situation it's and because then we would have conversations about that afterwards. Yeah, we capitalize and on that. Okay. I mean, and you know, it's hard. They're they're in that struggle of, 
you know, trying to navigate those friendships and, and where do they fit in? And, mm-hmm. you know, that girl's being mean. And so, but, and you get a front, literally a front row seat to yeah. that. So I'm so grateful for those, yep. all those drives. The uh, hour and 20 minutes is blowing my mind. Is Houston sort of like LA? Because I, oh, it's, that wouldn't be shocking huge. to have someone no. live in LA and drive an hour. I mean, and like, you know, like Huntsville, Alabama, what's an hour and a half from here? Yeah. I mean, oh, people wow. commute like to places like Huntsville. It, like that oh, kind of in Houston. Absolutely. You oh, just yeah. Can you imagine drive driving to Huntsville for soccer practice three yeah. nights a week? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> wow. Isn't that crazy? I so, mean, with that that was just a what we were, what was happening there is, again, we were following all of them in kind of their natural progression. And we were, of course, do we have the time? Do we have the money? Can we make this commitment? Yeah, okay, well, let's do it. You want to do this? Okay, we'll do it. It's like, big deal. So all of them were doing that at various levels. And we all would talk about it. But again, the thing with soccer for us was never, I mean, none of them went on to play in college. Okay. Yeah. But the thing, the thing that we always would say to them is soccer is a means to an end. Like ultimately, no matter, even if you do go on and play at the highest level, this sport is God's going to use this sport in your life. These moments, these teams, these players, these coaches, these situations to really teach you. And I want to be a part of that. I want to help you see that, you know, you can share that stuff with us. And, you know, I think in the end, they all still love the sport. You know, they all still like to play. They like you know to watch it on television or whatever. So they, they're not, it's not like they're disenfranchised with that reality. He means yeah. playing intramural right Yeah, now, I mean, actually. so. Oh, is she really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool. But the, it's still, the, the bigger thing was like, they're always learning in those spaces and, and about themselves, where they fit relative to a team, you know. So I know there's a lot of, you know, people have mixed feelings about getting their kids involved in sports, and there's a lot of conversations that could be had about that. All I'm just trying to say is we decided to do that, Mm -hmm. and in doing so, we just tried to capitalize on that and really use those as lessons where you're creating conditions for them to really grow and learn yes. about themselves and faith and others. Yeah. And to you're just watch your kids love something oh, it's amazing. and be passionate about and, you yeah. know, go all out. It's, that's so fun. I yeah. miss that. Mm-hmm. At what age did they start? Four or five. Yeah. They really started like the young? little community league, yeah. you know, like YMCA stuff. But in our neighborhood there, where we lived, there was a couple of clubs that once you got it to like eight, Nine ten, you were starting to like get a little bit more serious in terms of coaching and training, but then once they got into like preteen years, they were like actually on competitive teams, mm-hmm. you know, where it was a little bit more serious and a little bit more exacting and demanding. Yeah. And then they played all the way through, you know, high school and all that. So Did they get was soccer advantageous to them in terms of any scholarships or no? No, because okay. they all decided at, at various levels. Like, I'm not doing this in college. I see. Okay. Well, I think all three of them around, well, Amy, that's another story because we moved up here, but the boys both, it was, I think they were probably both like juniors when they were like, I'm not going to play in college. Yeah. They okay. could have. Okay. They could yeah. have. It was the thing where like in Texas, there's not a lot of options for D1 schools to play men's soccer. And they were probably like, where I want to go to school, I don't want just soccer to be the dictate to that. Yeah. So I want to go choose a school I want to go to and not just be like, well, I can get I can get a scholarship to play there. Yeah, that makes sense. We so, were hanging out with good friends last night, and the um, the guy said he thinks he learned more from about life from high school football than school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, 
by the way, just because it's a free little free one, would you let your boys play high school football or no? Man, I'm really glad they didn't want to do that. They were and, small. I mean, okay. just, yeah, anatomically, they would have been really challenged in that area because I'm not big, and they just weren't built like that. Um, yeah. So I'm really thankful for that. I mean, they got hurt. They all got, you know, different Reese levels of. had a pretty bad broken break. leg one time. Yeah. Had, Stitches. So. Yeah, lots of stitches. All that kind of stuff. But at football, yeah, I mean, it's, that's pretty. Broken legs, not, you know, like that's not like a life injury. Yeah. I, and I know football is safer than it used to be. I don't know exactly where I stand on it right now. A few years ago, I was like, nope, not going to let them. Then, I, then it was like, nah, I mean, not, not I, so sure. But there's just honestly, not that I'm, many things that I would just be like totally prohibited. Like just you can't do that. There's okay. just not, that's not a long list of things. Okay. That's one of the things we were talking about in, in this. We just didn't we didn't have a lot of like. Like, no, you can't do that. Okay. There were a few times we laid down that kind of thing, but that was. Few and far between. Just and in general, you're saying. In general, you yeah. have very few, like, no. Yeah. And we would try to be like, instead of just saying a no, we'd be like, well, how about this? Or have you ever thought about that? Or okay. Okay. think about this bigger picture, you know? Hmm. So we would try not to just throw the veil down and be like, no, you can't do that. Okay. Stop looking at that. Yep. Well, Don't think about that. Mm, I'm, I'm, this is, I'm going to bring this up. Yeah. So when Amy was... I don't know, four, whatever, however old she was. She was in ballet, and it was precious, you know. <laughs> and at the recital that spring, you know, it was just so sweet. There were these sweet little girls doing their little ballet. And then the older girl, so it's like all the ages. Like a school. You're do like, their performance. And <laughs> so we're sitting there. and, and the older, sitting there. Yeah. Lady Jazz sitting there. And, okay. and the older girls come out and performed their dance and Chad was like nope <laughs> <laughs> that is not happening that's she not the track not you want her on you're, like, you're gonna yeah. play soccer like your brothers yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean the chair and what they were doing with the chair oh yeah wow. and I was just like <laughs> <laughs> and so there were there were a few yeah. times in her growing up years where she was like I want to dance I want to do you know hip hop and dance and whatever and yeah. we we're like no She's probably she's listening to this. Yeah, and so, yeah. and she knows. I mean, we, yes. that's, we had that conversation over yeah. <laughs> Not all the time, but no. it would come up once there in a while. So we did say no Along the that. way, we would say no to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just not very many things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I love that. Um, My early dad self of a dad of a daughter, that just, like, provoked something in me that was just, <laughs> it was so clear. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Like no, this is not going to happen. Okay, this is, yeah. we're not doing this. This right here. This okay, is not, not doing that. No. <laughs> so it was like an easy decision right yeah. there. <laughs> That's funny. My uh, niece is really good at ballet. Ballet but, uh, is cool. I, I don't think I really understand. What these girls were doing was not ballet. Oh really? So, oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah yeah yeah. Oh, Sorry. Okay. Gotcha. No, it was not. Amy's age group was ballet. That and was then amazing. Oh, to these other okay. They would matriculate through these <laughs> dance school maneuvers, like in like different whatever modern maneuvers dance, whatever. or whatever. Gotcha, you know. gotcha. Just like, oh my gosh. Okay. Thinking like, like walking on your toes and uh-huh. twirling, but this is something okay, else altogether. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> costumes, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. What was the? Uh, hey, do you remember what the Coldplay song was that no one remembered? Can, oh. No. I, I if you just if you keep talking, I'll just you go should through text my phone. Yeah. Yeah. You should so text him to see. Coldplay is her legit favorite. I probably know every Coldplay okay. song. Okay. We yeah, listen to Coldplay Cold so song. much. Sure. Yeah. I remember listening to a lot of Andrew Bell with no end. Yeah, part. Andrew Oh, Bell. really? Oh, yeah. yeah the okay. <laughs> yeah. A lot of that. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, we love Coldplay, too. <laughs> um, 
anything that uh, comes to mind that you would take care not to do again or maybe do different if you're going back and, and doing things over again? Uh, you know, I mean, this is kind of like in the conversation with us before this, we we're talking about like in the realm of regrets. And I mean, the things probably that I would do differently is I would desire to have and want to have more patience and handle certain situations, you know, better and like patience at bedtime. Yes. Sure. <laughs> oh, we have patience at bedtime for two hours every single night. <laughs> this has got to be a better way, dude. It <laughs> so does end. be a better it way. Does it does. I mean, oh but man. Hang on. Yeah. yeah. I, I would say those are the things. It was, I'm so grateful that there's nothing that ever happened between us as husband and wife that I regret or like, wish that we could go back and change. I mean, I'm thankful that God has given us the ability to navigate our difficulties and challenges in a way that, you know, didn't result in anything massive and major. But yeah, along the way, you just, you can remember like as a parent, like losing your cool, being impatient, you know, just losing perspective, taking that out on them. Um, and those are probably my, the things that I, you know. So wish. basically we regret being sinners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I mean, I, 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 this is something that for me, like that I had to learn about myself was that like, if we would go, if the kids would get hurt, like if we were on a walk or riding bikes and they would get hurt, fall over, scrape their knee, whatever. I would get irritated. I could definitely feel myself getting irritated in yeah, those me moments. Too. Yeah. And of course, you know, as I sit here and talk about, it, I'm like, well, that's, you know, where's the compassion? Where's that, that virtue. Right. And, and it, you know, that when someone's hurt and then the person is coming to help them is kind of upset with them. That's a bad vibe. Yeah. Generally speaking. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so, yeah. Right. <laughs> And of course the kids, they're like, what? I don't understand. Like I'm hurt and you're angry that I fell off my, you know, whatever. But you know, Mika was very persistently and kindly like reflecting that back to me. Like, why are you, why do you get this way? And it really, I really had to like, just do some examination. And what I finally came up with is this realization that I am so dedicated back to what does it mean to be a parent? I'm so dedicated and focused on their safety and well-being. Like there's a part of my identity as a man that's really wound up in the success of that. So when that happens, even as little spaces, it is, it's like in my own kind of sinful distortion, I feel all this shame and like I have failed in my role here. Hmm. And what they get is that self-loathing coming back to them. They see that coming back at them. They feel that, which is terrible. That's not a good way to parent. And for me, like just that confession, like even on my very best day, you know, I can't give them everything they need, you know, yep. and the kind of the way that I just kept sort of working this out in my own self was like, even on my very best day, I'm a lousy version of Jesus, you know? Right. And so it's like, eventually I realized my own limitation there as a parent, like, 
I can't always keep you safe. And when you get hurt, instead of taking that personal and seeing that through the lens of my failure, which is a really selfish way to process that, I need to have compassion and come alongside of you. What do you need from me? How can I help? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that's that. That's just like my own work and as a person and, you know, God working on me. And, and so I, that, you know, I think I'm thankful that that was happening when the kids were young because when they get older, that's even more, I feel that it's even more mm-hmm. pronounced mm-hmm. that struggle. The struggle of realizing that you can't, make them be perfect yeah it's like <laughs> is that is that it, what you're saying i mean essentially it's like you as the control. older yeah, oh, the, okay. the older the kids control. get yeah, yeah. the older the kids get yeah. the less control you have over more things and so yeah. as you're losing yeah. control as you're realizing the facade of control is falling away what are you left with you're you're left with you know ways of influencing them yeah. being connected with them being present with them but if you're still holding on to i want to control for these outcomes I mean, you're just going to be a miserable person. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting you say that because I noticed recently that the things that are bo- things that are bothering me is because I thought it should be done better. And then I was thinking, well, if they did it better, would that be good enough? And then I'm like, no, it, it needs to be perfect, basically. <laughs> and then I was thinking, this is literally what I was thinking to myself, is like well, the, I've been chewing about this because in my mind a little bit because I've been sort of like making – I don't know, just processing it and like knowing that it's not right, but acknowledging it like it's the thought that I have, which is like, you got to be perfect or people die. Mm. That's what I've been thinking. But most of the time, that's not the case. That is the case sometimes, mm-hmm. but most of the time, no one's going to die, you know? But it's like this internal thing. You got to be perfect or there's, people die. Yeah. There's like in, in, you know, in counseling, which is what I do, there's a school of thought called internal family systems, IFS, and the internal family idea there is that you have these different parts. All of us have these different parts that make up who we are as a person. And at certain times and certain situations with certain people, those different parts become more pronounced. Mm. You know, maybe like you have a part that's a real protector of yourself and others. And sometimes that part carries a burden that's not realistic it's not rational Hmm. and it can actually drive them to become a really lousy version of yourself and so really becoming aware of how certain situations elicit and evoke responses kind of out of these parts of you in these situations this part of me really comes out you know is kind of what that school of thought and it helps you to really understand like these parts of me is definitely a part of who i'm as a as a whole person, God's redeeming and saving every part of me, as it were. And so all of those are coming into submission and salvation. And again, it's like a great thing to be a protector of your family. That's a high value. <laughs> you should aspire to that. But there's a way of going about doing that that's that's Christ-centered, mm-hmm. that is still has humility in that strength, you know? Yep. And that that's something I had to, you know, as a dad, really had to learn to do and you know unfortunately you're learning to do that in places where you're all, you're uh, the people you love are the people you're hurting and you're learning with it's yeah just sort of yep. <laughs> tied up in the whole process yep. i first heard about internal family systems a few years ago through tim ferris's podcast yeah and it was very helpful for him 
mm-hmm. and as he processed childhood trauma and stuff. And is so is the big idea there that internally you have various almost like personalities or like a mm-hmm. family inside and depends what you're encountering. It, it affects different members of the family inside of you. Is that where it gets that's the kind of the idea of it? System? Yeah, that's in the external family in that school of thought would be basically what you call your family. So your, your immediate family, your extended oh, okay. family, okay. but the internal family is because the idea is like in, in like how a regular family and external family, everybody kind of plays different roles and parts. Mm-hmm. And the idea is to blend those in a really healthy way where people are loved and appreciated for the things that they bring. You're kind of doing that with this, these different parts of yourself. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so that, that's kind of the premise of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a really interesting way of thinking about it. And it kind of helps you to generate as a parent, like just the sense of compassion for yourself, you know, just, I, you have to, you know, I have this part of me. Sometimes he, it, get, it really gets the best of me. It's not always great. Thank you for being patient with me. I need to be patient with myself. I'm still learning and growing. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So you're kind of blending, bringing that hope and faith and love to bear in those all those different intricacies of your personality and who yeah. you are. Yeah. So are you saying the internal family is like the negative parts of it you, or not, not necessarily? No, no the the. the the famous statement in IFS in that school of thought is there's no bad parts. There's okay. actually a book called No Bad Parts. And so the idea is in the sense of like they're they're mostly like not functioning very well. They're they might be stuck, you know. There's like in in our life we developmentally we kind of we might get stuck at certain sections in our life and different struggles and trauma and it brings out certain parts of us that kind of are underdeveloped. And they're not really blended well in our whole being, right? And so part of the therapy is to really to do work with those parts of ourselves so that, you know, Christ in us really is manifesting in all these different aspects, you know. Mm. I have this really gentle, caring, compassionate part. I have this really strong, protective, you know, demonstrative part and really bringing a balance and a whole to that, you know, through the work that God's doing in our life. So, yeah, it's really fascinating. It wasn't, it, it's not developed, it wasn't developed by a Christian, you know, thinker or, or therapist or counselor, but a lot of, you know, I know a lot of believers who are really good therapists who use IFS, you know, in their work as counselors. And mm. it can be really helpful. In my internal family, I have this really nasty, <laughs> passive aggressive, <laughs> cynical, <laughs> negative aunt who just like, just will speaks way too much. <laughs> <laughs> I got to do some work on that. Yeah, no. <laughs> I don't have any of those in my external family, but yeah, my no, internal family. Yeah, you you do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and she's loud right now. <laughs> um, all right, how about uh this prioritization between protecting your kids and then um versus which is I don't even know if you could really put it like this, but we're we're thinking in particular like how do you think about protecting your kids versus preparing them for the real world? Mm. Engage, engage, talk with them. Have t- we would talk about all the things at dinner, yeah. or in the car. Or we nothing was off limits okay. with our kids. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I think that, and and again, I think the the protection. If you look at like like the Book of Proverbs, the father is teaching. He's imparting wisdom, right? He's teaching the child, the son, how to think, how to engage the world. He's not, he's not teaching him necessarily 
um, don't ever do that and don't do that and don't do that. You know what I'm saying? He's teaching them like he's he's warning him like there are certain these certain people and there's these circumstances and these kinds of folks, you know, be aware of these situations. He's imparting wisdom, a way to see the world. Um, so, again, it, to me, it's less about prohibition and more about really instilling wisdom. Yeah, I, I, just is like conjuring up memories of at the dinner table, the kids would often, especially if there was something going on, you know, in the world that was a big event or politically or whatever, and they would come home and start saying, well, so-and-so at school said this or so-and-so said that, and their parents have this opinion. So it just was like, wow, what an entryway into a really mm -hmm. great conversation mm -hmm. to, you know, explore those different ideologies or, mm -hmm. you know, what we believe about, uh, you know, it was an invitation, really. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, I mean, I, I kind of want to make them i want them to be i don't know the right word about it, but safe to go out into the world mm -hmm. so yeah. they can be in spaces and absorb different views and hear things that i know my mom and dad don't think that way i don't think that's how we see this but i can be in this room with you and i can have this conversation and you know then they knew they can come home and talk and you know, share process. ideas. Yeah, process. And so that's really what we were committed to. There were obviously like certain movies, you know, at certain ages, music, you know, environments, you know, that we would just be like, no, you're not, you're not doing that. Like, that's not a good idea, right. you know? So there was obviously, you know, there were things that we would, but I'm just saying that was a relatively short list, you know? Okay. Um, and, and also, I mean, I guess we are lucky. Our kids weren't asking to do crazy things. They weren't hanging out with kids that, for the most part, that were getting into a lot of trouble. So, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. I don't remember that being an issue for the most part. Yeah. I mean, I know they had friends that struggled. I know Absolutely. our kids struggled, yes, you know. And so, like, they, you know, I knew that was going on. And they were, you know, kind of running into some of the, especially they get into middle school and high school, you know, some of the struggles there. And that's, again, you're kind of in that space where you're trying to influence and you can't really control a whole lot, but you can really influence and yep. be compassionate and be present there for, you know, so. Navigating um, as you go. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think it's like it's, I don't think it would be wise to say, well, we're just never, you know, you're never going to do this as a parent. We're never going to, it's like, you can't do that. Yep. <laughs> There's just not that many things. Yeah. That that yeah. goes really yeah. well on. So you were focused less on protecting them from a whole lot of stuff and more on walking with them and talking with them about what they were engaging with, mm -hmm. about what they were experiencing. Yeah, Jesus said that it's not what goes into man that contaminates him, it's what comes out. Mm -hmm. And to me, in a lot of ways, like this idea of like, I wanted to almost create a filtering system. We wanted to like give them a way of thinking and seeing and processing so that they're going to be bombarded with information. Yeah. Uh, that's inevitable. They're just going to get out into the world and be metabolizing stuff. That's like, Oh gosh, you know? So I wanted them to have this sort of in spiritual internal kind of, again, virtue framework where you're then now you can like, I've taken this in. What am I going to do with that? How does that come out? And so we didn't have any rules, you know, like, I mean, when I was, there was a time in my life where it was like when I was growing up where my parents, you know, I was, it was like a threat. Like you're, you can't, 
listen to anything but Christian music and not even just Christian music, but certain kinds of Christian music. Yeah. And yeah, we had that too. Yeah. And so, you know, that was just like an impossible, it just creates this really, again, the, the property lines get really small there yeah. and the chances yeah. of you wandering off are really good. And so, <laughs> it's like, I mean, if you, just trying to gin up a lot of tension and controversy in the house, I guess you can set those kinds of rules, but I'm not sure that's the best way of going about it. I mean, you know, we were always listening to music and, you know, taking that in taking them to concerts. We had friends that were musicians, so they would get to know them. And so they, you know, music was definitely a big part of our lives growing up and still is. And so, you know, they, they all love music and, all kinds of different music, you know, and so we were always just trying to kind of cultivate that curiosity mm-hmm. with the world around them and just, yeah, make them resilient to go out into the world. Yeah. Yeah, I like that a lot because that is the most durable, most robust way to really prepare them because mm-hmm. if you're just protecting them from a whole lot of things, eventually they're going to encounter it, right? And then if they haven't been prepared for it, that that can cause real problems. Yeah. Uh, actually, we see this a lot in um, maybe maybe the most notable or the most obvious or the most clear is the Amish. Mm. When they have like, the rump spring of time, and they'll go crazy. Mm. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's like, like the, it's like a whole other world, you know? And they just sort of go nuts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, not all of them, but, but that's, uh, I think, a, an ex- in example of that. Yeah. Uh, I think that's kind of just human nature yeah Yeah. and and uh, and two like this this is like we like to hear this maybe maybe in part selfishly because like that is our that's our philosophy also Mm -hmm. that's how we're doing it with our kids it's our general mo um and and also sort of like just talking about stuff like they're on this kick right now where aria i know the s word you know, <laughs> I know the, I know the F word. She probably shouldn't know that one, but it's like, oh, the F word isn't even the F word to her. Oh, really? It's something else. Oh, so okay. Well, great. I know the S word and it's, it's like, know, well, OMG, what, what, you know? Yeah, exactly. So we'll just be like, oh, you mean shit? You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, what's the S word? Like you may as well just say it. You know what I mean? Like it's not that big a deal, you know? Um, so sort of just like demystifying it a little yeah. bit and then, and, and then talking through it. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess it's that to me again, it's just back to like you're building virtue, you know, and you're building that internal structure that gives wisdom and direction that then will lead to values yep. that align with those, you know, beliefs and, Yep. Virtues, so yep. values, yeah. But how about <clears throat> how about music? So Lincoln likes hip hop. And I think he I think he's getting it from school a little bit or some yeah. of his buddies. And so he he likes it. And you know, I mean I didn't encounter hip hop until later in life. So <laughs> like there's some that I like. Like an Amish rapper? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Weird Al Yankovic. Surely you've heard that song, man. That's um yeah, anyhow, so the uh, I don't feel like I like can share his like natural. It seems to be like a natural gravitational pull mm-hmm. towards that type of music. Mm-hmm. Um, but and there's mm-hmm. a lot of explicit language in that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how how would you think about that? How did you navigate that? Where did you set the boundaries with say music with your kids? Mm-hmm. I left this one up to me because she was in oh. charge of. 
<laughs> I mean, if they no. were young, I mean, they d- we listened to all kinds of music. Probably I was not listening to a lot of hip hop, but <laughs> Chad did take the kids to a Chance the Rapper concert, okay. by the yeah. way. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, if th- I mean, if the kids were young, if there was like, you know, a bad word here or there, whatever. But if it was like really explicit and with themes of violence or whatever, right. I would not be down yeah. with that. Okay. But I will say, you know, as they get older, you don't actually have control over what they listen to. And our kids, at least, at least a couple of them, yeah, love I it. think all they of love them. hip hop yeah. and all okay. of that explicit stuff. So okay. this is kind of funny. Well, maybe not funny. I don't know. Amy has made me a, a workout playlist, and it's all you know. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> like and uh, I mean, I will listen to it sometimes, and yep. I will work out. Chattel, you know, I put my AirPods in, I'll work out to it, and yeah. I'm like, but it's a way that I can. Okay, this is what she's enjoying right now, so yeah. uh, you know, I'll, I'll listen and be like, oh, uh, mm-hmm. but like, some of it I actually like. Surprise yeah. myself, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. But yeah, it was funny. I went to that. I went. I took Amy to that concert chance concert because i think was it just amy well reese and noah were already there they were already gonna go so i was like yeah amy i'll come with you and she was probably 14 yeah oh wow (laughs) so i thought like you go to the concert there's you know there might be like an opening act and then chance is gonna come out and play for you know two hours maybe do his thing and there's like six DJs that play one after the other before he ever. So it's like, what time (laughs) is this thing going to (laughs) end? I mean, it was like, it just went on and on and on. And of course, you know, the longer it went, the more the air filled, you know? Yep. (laughs) And so it's just a whole environment, you know? Okay. But I have to say like the show was unbelievable. Oh yeah. Chance the rapper was, that was the fantastic show so yeah i'll bet so you totally immerse myself in that yeah okay (laughs) so you would have pretty big boundaries with music and let them follow their interests and enjoy what they enjoy but if it's has themes of violence or just like you know, pervasive, explicit language, then you would have tried to guide them away from well, that. Well, when they're young, like your kids are yeah, young. I so would we would definitely have yeah, when they were been like, yeah. that, but like they were kind of listening to what we were listening to back yeah. then. You know, I mean, we were kind of, yeah. I guess they didn't have iPhones and all that. Right. Jazz That's back true. Then. Yeah. Yeah. When they were so that age, they yeah. didn't have as much access. Mm-hmm. So you know? yeah, that was, we were, that, I think they're some of their artistic tastes sort of reflected ours and, that was very much a part of their life. And so, but where they've taken all that, you know, right. I mean, we still all can definitely agree on a playlist or songs or music. We all still kind of can get there and enjoy the same thing, but yeah, they have their own taste, but that really began to emerge maybe more so once they got into high school. Okay. Okay. And so it really started taking off in that way. And so then again, it was just a point of conversation. You're always just, I mean, I like, music i consume music love to listen to all kinds of music so if they were into a particular artist say if they were hip-hop or something like that i would usually end up listening to it just out of curiosity what they're listening to and i'm like oh that's actually this kendrick lamar album is really good you know this is what's he saying the compelling story he's telling the you know way he's processing his world his emotions it's pretty powerful you know and so it's like a real point of conversation you know with the kids and Mm -hmm. And I've, br- I've brought up, like, to Amy with, 
you know, just I think maybe she was home and we were listening to, I don't know if we were in the gym or what, but mm-hmm. listening to some of her music and it was just like, you know, it was a lot of bad words and all, you know, whatever, cussing. And, and I was like, now, and we just think about like when we get in the car and we're listening to my 80s music. <laughs> like, yeah. think about when you have kids. Yeah. And are you going to be listening to them with your kids or this with your kids? She was like, mm, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of funny. She like the realization yeah. of, it is probably not something she's going to want to expose her own yeah. kids to. Yeah, in the carpool line. Uh, right, yeah. yeah. Right. Spilling yeah. out of the minivan. Yeah. 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 Um, another thing we want to ask you guys about was we feel like right now with Lincoln, we have the ability to sort of control to some degree who his close friends are. And I think primarily we're thinking, I mean, when you think about the levers to pull on that, it's where you live, it's a church you go to, mm-hmm. we're not and the school primarily. So I think for us, we're kind of thinking of the school thing mostly right now because, um, you know, where he goes to school does have a big impact on like who his friends are. Sure. And, uh, and so he's going to a charter school right now. It's a public school, you know, it, it, it's fine. Um, probably great academically, but we're just noticing that with him in particular, you know, we could keep sending him down this path, and we feel like maybe if we do, he may not be building a sort of potential lifelong network of friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so it might be fine, you know, yeah. through, to graduates and then, yeah. you know, but but then probably won't be doing a lot of life with many of them. Mm-hmm. We could be wrong. That's just our sense. Um, or we could, like, have him change schools possibly and put him in an environment where you know, he has the maybe a better opportunity to establish like a lifelong network of friends or, or a small group of friends. And that was definitely my experience. Like we, I went to a very small church school mm-hmm. and, um, you know, there were six, eight of us guys all roughly in the, you know, in the same stage of life. We might've been in very across various grades or whatever, but Dude, we had a ton of fun, man. I mean, we, <laughs> dude, we ran the town, you know, like we had a lot of fun. And then we were in the youth group together mm-hmm. and, you know, just had a lot of good. I don't know why we had so much clean fun. We didn't really, you know, we just had a lot of good, hearty fun. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of those guys was here last week, you know, like, one, you know, one of my best friends in like, so it's hard to picture having a school experience where you don't have, you know, three, four, eight buddies to really like stay in touch with mm. so <clears throat> how did you think about that wow well can i just add into yeah. that he he's really wanting community mm. so he has community here in the neighborhood to some extent and then um you know there are some kids here who have a really great community in their mm. school and he went in on it and so he he told me outright just I think this last week he was just like I just want some good friends mm-hmm. like some good school friends so it's a struggle for him and I feel like we're kind of struggling through like how to make that happen for him or how mm-hmm. could we or how what what would it look like mm-hmm. what school can you hear me yep okay yep. what school are the friends in the neighborhood going to is it accessible Christ- to you yeah it's a christian school okay. it would be probably not a viable option for this next year because one of the things that we learned pretty quick about nashville private schools is they're very expensive very expensive <sighs> very expensive like 25 to 30 grand for grades t- three four five 
like is not uncommon. I know. Um, it's kind of like the, this wasn't a thing where I no, grew up, man. Not not where we. So that we, I mean, our kids went to public schools all the way through, and <clears throat> I, I would be just so hard pressed to encourage any family to get into some sort of financially precarious position at this point, like elementary, middle, high school, to to you know, for their education. That, that to me is a big question mark, you know? Okay. I mean, uh, thankfully we were in good school districts, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, okay. so yeah, we grateful were, for that. Well, Amy finished here. She graduated from, you know, um, Centennial in Williams County. Mm-hmm. And, um, she, yeah, she really liked that school and it was, was kind of small and diverse and really had a great experience there. So, and all of them have gone on to, they all have had great academic, you know, in their college and post-college space. I would say our kids also, they had school friends, but then they would also have friends through sports, through yeah. soccer. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I remember times where, I remember specifically with Noah, I feel like we're talking about him a lot, but I remember him being in high school and really longing for really good friends at school that were believers Mm -hmm. and that was like a a really deep desire of his and he didn't feel like he had that and I mean so you know we obviously prayed about that for him and and his last couple years in high school I mean God just came through (laughs) he did like and yeah, yeah, he had that little Bible study. He, he, he started he had, a Bible study. He started study hosting a bunch of people at our house. Oh, wow. With his school he friends? He plays guitar yeah. and okay. somebody would read the Bible. And yeah, they would break up the girls and guys. We'd have like, and we would be shunned to our uh, bedroom. Okay. Yeah. And they would take <laughs> over. They would take over. There'd be like okay. 25 kids at our no house. No way. And yeah. yeah like he would just, he just decided, well, I'm going to go do this myself. If I can't find this, I'm just going to do it he's myself. He's going to create wow. it. So he would, kids would come. It was really, yeah, it was just, it was really sweet. So but I think there were times where all three of the kids, definitely struggle feeling lonely you know and again that's like i mean that's something that i can identify with i mean that's that's not like you know that's not a disease i mean it's Mm -hmm. just like a thing that we struggle with existentially as people in the world so again it's a learning opportunity it's like how do we navigate this you know um and then you know academically they were all doing well in their respective in their, their school work and they they finished their high school studies really well and went on to like I said and did well and, and are doing well in college and whatnot but for, so for us it we didn't in Houston we didn't really live in an area where private schools were that big of a deal very very few people did that in the neighborhood we lived in okay and then when we moved up here it was like wow this whole private prep Christian academy thing is just like kind of off the chain it's really yeah, it crazy is. it's a big scene yeah. yeah yeah and we have good friends that send their kids into those schools and they they're great kids and they apparently are getting really great educations um but i'm i'm certain that had we lived here we, we wouldn't have, have done, done that. that we couldn't yeah. have done even it. if we wanted to like, and there's no even like yeah and i would have not mortgaged our future financial wherewithal and well-being just to get our kids 
like in some sort of philosophical Bubble. worldview kind of, I just want them to get a solid education and they can build on that, you know? Okay. And, and I'll take care of their like interior world, you okay. know? Yep. So yeah, and they're getting more realistic, real life experience in a public school. I think we kind of veered from that other question about friendships, but, yeah. but I mean, they're, that's, that's real life, like in a public school, you know? Um, I mean, that the, the private, I, I, we don't actually don't have experience firsthand with the private yeah. school, but I imagine it's, pretty sheltered and 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 sweet like i'm sure it's wonderful but you know if you i guess if you have the means great but yeah. i don't know we, we just that's not that, that was wasn't never like option. a choice we didn't really have that card to play so okay. it was just like how do we be good parents to them and help them with their friend groups and navigate those spaces in these space and i think in terms i know like i know there's a lot of talk right now, obviously, in this area about curriculum and what's being taught and all that. And I, I wouldn't, I don't, I, I can't really imagine where I would have been as worked up about all that, you know. And, and if you had kids in school exactly. right now, based on what you know their curriculum is, you can't yeah. imagine being that worked up about it. Yeah, I, I think yeah. I would be still plugged in at the level we've been talking about, like, you know, influencing them, teaching them, investing in them, helping them learn how to think and process ideas, you know, that maybe are counter to how we see and believe about what we see and believe about the world and ourselves. So, yeah. So I would have stayed really engaged there. And, and, and I'd imagine that's how we would have had to, we would have navigated that. Yeah. So. Remember we homeschooled one year? We did homeschool <laughs> one year. Okay. And we did it because the kids would come home like saying, what a waste of time. This, you know, <laughs> we're, they were always waiting on, you know, whatever. And, and we were busy, you know, like Chad was pastoring a church downtown. So we were always driving downtown Houston and soccer. And anyway, so we we're like, you know what, let's homeschool. And, and we just pulled all the kids. This was before Amy started school and it was hard. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. But it was great. Like it was, we really got to do so many fun things as a family and take advantage of all the great opportunities there are in Houston to, for learning outside of a classroom. So that was yeah, great. That was and, a great year. Why'd you um, go back? Because so it's funny. We had said when we did it that we would we're, we'll do it for two years and then you know decide what to do. Well, Reese, <laughs> um, he's our oldest, and we had homeschooled him his fifth grade year. And he's such, he was like the responsible, firstborn, conscientious, good, you know, kid, follows all the rules. And, and one, one day. As far as we know. Yeah, as yeah. far as we know. <laughs> <laughs> but no, one, one evening at dinner in the spring that year, he was like, just like announced out of the blue. I think I want to go to middle school. We're like, why? <laughs> Have you heard about this place? It's terrible. <laughs> he was like, I want a locker and a schedule. And like, <laughs> he just wanted that experience. So we're like, really? Okay, well, let's, you know, pray about it. And, and Noah, our second one, he was like, I don't want to go back to school. No way. And so anyway, you know, we just kept discussing it and, you know, came back to like, you know what? Why would we not let him have <laughs> that experience if yeah. he, he's a good kid? It's not like we're trying to shelter him from yeah. anything. Okay. And, you know, so so it was basically like, well, if Reese is going in, Noah, you're going back. 
because okay. I'm not going to just keep one kid yeah. home. And then Amy was starting kindergarten. Uh, so so this <laughs> I'm imagining us having this conversation now around the dinner table and the all, what they all would be saying to <laughs> Reese right now. Oh, since Reese wants to go back, we all have to go back. <laughs> Yeah, we have one of those too. We have one of those too. That's funny. <laughs> but I will say, I mean, having done it for a year and then making the decision as a family to go back in, it it really made us appreciate, you mm. know, our schools and yeah. and it it did we did not have license to complain anymore. You yeah. know, it was like okay, we we had we did it. We had the opportunity, and we could have kept him out. But it's like, mm, nope, this is the decision we made. So let's and they do all it thrived. The best we can. They all did. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah, they all did great <laughs> from there on out. Really, honestly, they did really good academically and socially, and just navigating those spaces. Yeah, but so homeschooling is mm-hmm. always an option. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's yeah. really not for us. <laughs> so that was at the end of the first year. You were going to do two years, but then you just did one year. Yeah, you're we saying then they went year. back. Yeah. In. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as to the curriculum, you know, I've actually not, I don't know that we've encountered one single thing that we have a major concern with, no. or uh, to be honest, a concern with. Yeah. And I've really looked into, especially Lincoln's stuff, mm-hmm. that at the first year he was there especially, and I was actually pleasantly surprised, you know, at the right. lack of, of things that I thought might have been there. Mm. But yeah, we haven't, we haven't encountered, we have no issue with the curriculum. Our uh, elementary school is legit awesome. I mean, it's awesome. I mean, the teachers are, I mean, it's like, it's, it's really great. I mean, it's, it'd be hard for me to imagine that at our elementary school, them having a better experience Mm. paying 25 grand a year, honestly, like I think it's about as good as it gets and it's free. Yeah. feel great about that. Uh, Lincoln school, you know, yeah, we've just not bumped into, we've not bumped into an issue. Apparently there's some things around, you know, maybe some of the the CRT stuff that's not allowed in Tennessee that might be allowed in uh, some other states or whatever. Like okay. this is all state specific, or yeah. even like district. Maybe it's even mm-hmm. difference has some differences. But as it turns out, um, the podcast releasing tonight was with Doctor Nate Miley, who was the principal at our elementary school mm-hmm. for a few years, and he crushed it so much. Now he just got hired by Christ Prez as their head oh, of middle school. That's cool. So I had him on last week talking about mm. school and stuff, and um, yeah, he was mentioning that, um, you know, he was, I mean, he was in the public school system, so he's a fan. <clears throat> and he said Metro uh, public school system is great for the most part. And, um, but yeah, he mentioned, I think he mentioned some of the stuff that parents, and I think I think it was particularly Williamson County, <laughs> that were having an issue with like some of the books. And like the one yeah. book I, I read, it was like, we read it, I don't know, 20 times a few years ago when Jackson was learned to read. I mean, there's no issue with that book. Yeah. So I don't know, like, some of what yeah. some of these people are seeing, the angle they're coming from. Maybe they're seeing something I'm not seeing. But, um, yeah, we don't have an issue with the curriculum. That's at, great. At the schools that we, we've been at. But I think just noticing maybe, yeah, that friend thing in particular. Yeah. And, um, and then maybe also a little bit the cultural influence, you know, mm-hmm. and just trying to navigate how much of that we are cool with as parents or – yeah, so I think that's where that question was coming from. I mean, one of the things I know that you guys do have, because we sh- we're there with you at Emmanuel, I mean, just that space that, you know, where the teaching they're hearing from the front, mm-hmm. you know, um, the leadership in the church like that, um, it's, it's such a great environment 
to really be marinating as a child, you know? Yeah. And learning about who you are as a person in Christ and your faith. And again, that's such a powerful antidote to any possible idea that's counter to that, you know? I mean, they're really steeped in that environment that's very compelling. Yeah. And so for them to move out into the world with that teaching that's being, you know, also you giving them that as well. Yeah. It's like, it's, that's really powerful, you know, and, and going into that space, finding friends, keeping friends, building community, you know, that wisdom will come through. I have a, I guess a thought about the friendship thing. Um, I mean, for me personally, but, and, and I know I've shared this with, with my kids when they were, you know, feeling lonely or left out or whatever. It's like, be a friend, you know, um, yeah. you know, if, I don't know. We've got to get outside of ourselves. Quit yeah. waiting for somebody to call us, but reach out. You know, when you're feeling lonely, or mm-hmm. um, if there's a particular person that you know Lincoln would want to be a good friend to, or that you see would be a good friend, you know, say, hey, let's let's invite so and so over. You yeah. know, what about have you ever connected with him, or you know, just yeah. try to encourage that too. Mm-hmm. You know, because yep. it's easy to feel like you know, we, we get where we feel left out or, or, um, pity party, you know, yeah. I mean, well, I I'm, and I'm speaking personally, yeah, I think yeah. even as adults that yes. happens. Yeah, and so sure. it's, it's, I think we have a better uh, <laughs> handle on that to a certain extent, mm-hmm. but it's like, I'm beginning to see him struggle through that. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I want that for you so bad because I want it too. I have it, mm-hmm. you know, and, but I want it for him too. Mm-hmm. And so, um, just, Watching him struggle through that is hard. Yeah. yeah. That, that's, that's just a huge statement, watching your child struggle. And it doesn't again, get easier. It, and not, oh, I believe oh yeah. that. And not like being able to solve for that struggle or solve the problem. That's, that is just a real test of fortitude and faith for a parent, no matter what it is, what, especially when it comes to their friends and that, that space. That's a really tough thing to walk alongside your child as they suffer in those friendship spaces. Mm -hmm. That's a big thing. Yep. How about pulling your kids in or engaging with your kids when you're in sort of a season of depletion um, or even, yeah, what would you say? Depletion. I don't want to say brokenness. That's not quite what I'm after. Like fatigue, exhaustion. Uh, Maybe just like when you're not doing so well yourself personally. What's that? A struggle. Yeah, yeah. you're struggling yeah. personally yeah. as a person. Yeah. Because, um, you know, this is one of the things I've noticed about myself is like when my respect for myself mm-hmm. is down, then I don't engage as good with my kids. Oh, 100%. Because like why I sort of want to remove myself because if I'm not respecting myself, why should they? 100%. And um, so how any thoughts around kind of in continuing to engage with your kids when you're not in the best spot personally? Wow. I mean, you can, I mean, sometimes you just need some space. Yeah. Yeah. But I think there's a lot to be said, too, for just maintaining some discipline in your life to where you can get up and and keep going and engage with them. And I think I think one of the things that probably. I would say we did well in this area is our physical health has always been a really big priority to us individually. 
Was it that way before you met each other? Yeah, or did you pretty yeah? much. Yeah. Okay. This kind of like a lifelong thing. Yeah. But okay. I, I mean, there was a point like the kids were definitely in our life and I was really in a stressful situation and I was like, I, I can't just keep waking up and going down there and doing that and coming home. It's going to really catch up with me. So I've got to start really getting more, even more serious about this, very regimented. So I had this, I started creating these, you know, rhythms that I was living inside of. So I kind of, I guess to answer the question, how would I continue or what would I do in those seasons where I felt depleted is I trusted the system that we kind of created health-wise, live inside those spaces, maybe occasionally take a little bit more time and going away or, you know, getting time with a friend or whatever, um, seeking out counsel, that kind of thing. But really creating an overall pace and a rhythm that we lived inside of that we knew would come back around and rejuvenate us yeah i like that yeah Yeah. so the kids would see us doing that so it wasn't like they saw us make kind of going like up and down inside these commitments of health and wellness and it was a pretty consistent you know and I, i i wasn't doing it to be consistent for them i was doing it because it was how i was replenishing myself yeah and Mika was doing that as well. And so that's probably, if I think about that question, that's probably what, what it actually looked like. And, I mean, you know, then there are days where you're just like, look, it was hard and long and difficult. And the older they got, you'd share a little bit more, mm-hmm. you know. And then, like, you guys, can you just give me some space? You know, I, can you go outside and play? Can you, you know, let mom and I just have the room or whatever, you know. And so... You know, there are definitely moments like that, but um, yeah, creating that space where you're just like, I, if I believe in the system, if I can stick with this, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> and not lose my cool or be too much impatience or short-sighted, I can I can come out on the other side of this maybe, you know. Yep. And that's one of the many reasons why I personally find a whole lot more value in habits than goals mm-hmm. because essentially what you're doing with habits is you're yeah. building a system yeah, that's exactly that you can right. fall back on exactly and i don't want to you know poo poo goals because I, I definitely have some friends where it's like you know they're doing this for a month and that for a month and i'm like man yeah. i really respect that because i couldn't be able to quit coffee for a month you know <laughs> but they're like do this these various goals yeah. you know but i've just found a lot more value with habits yeah building a system you can sort of fall back on that's definitely how we um, lived but uh, the one thing I want to ask right now, which we probably we could come back to this thought, but why have you guys valued your physical health so much? Because you definitely do. I mean, you guys get after it even now or even or particularly now. Especially maybe. No, I think always. Always. always? Been that way, okay. Yeah. You, you, you've made your physical health a priority and being outside is a big part of that. Oh, yeah. Why is that? Why have you done that? I mean, I, mean, I just really enjoy it. Yeah. Really. I mean, always I've. I, I mean, I've always loved to move, <laughs> and yeah. Uh, and I mean, I yeah, it's, I found it to be really helpful for my overall mood, my outlook. I mean, the more I think about this, the older I get, it really, when you suffer inside of a workout, mm-hmm. it really sort of puts you in your place. You really yeah. <laughs> get that, no doubt. Yeah. that small, yeah, it's like, like good yep, for your it's mind. It's, yeah, so, yeah, I, I definitely... That's just always been something that's, 
I mean, we both grew up playing sports yeah. and, you okay. know, so that was just, it's just always been something that we valued. But also always. it's it's not like, I don't ever want it to come off as like, it's easy. Like it's just automatic. I mean, when it's cold here and, you know, it's time to go for a run and it's seven o'clock in the morning or, you know, we you do just have a treadmill. We do have a treadmill, <laughs> but it's like, you know, it's like, I still have to talk myself into things. Yep. Still be sure. like, no, you need to do this. Just get your stuff out. Get on the bike. Go. You're going to be glad you did it. So I still have to kind of bend my will around at times and get it to do what I want it to do. But, I mean, the payoff is usually there, you know. Yeah. So. No doubt. I think it's a somewhat underdeveloped area in the in the common experience of the Christian faith yeah. in America. Yeah. Um, well, which, there's just, like, always been, like – in the West, there's always been this dichotomy between body and spirit, you know? Right. And yeah. so the body, you know, so I think part of the recovery in that and the the true teaching from Scripture is that our body is a gift from God that we're given to steward. And we really are holistic beings, you know, our mind, our body, our spirits. And when we cultivate health in all those areas, we're really going to thrive mm-hmm. for the glory of God. And, you know, um, so when I'm really enjoying the gifts that God's given me, I just joy, wisdom, peace, all that stuff is coming. Yep. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And I I think it probably would be, you know, weird if you emphasize it too much, say from the pulpit. I don't know if that's really the place. Yeah. But, well, part of the problem is that physical, like taking care of yourself physically in our culture is also, there's a lot of, inappropriate talk around aesthetics like beauty sure and so that's where this kind of goes off the rails is this idea like i'm a better more beautiful person when i do this like that's i i i really am looking for like fitness and health well-being you know i'm looking for a good checkup at the doctor exactly exactly did you really yeah, yeah. I did. great yeah. Get your blood drawn? Yeah. I did. I haven't got those results. Oh, okay. So, okay. Cool. Yeah, so that's, cool. yeah, yeah, that's the kind of thing for me. It's like, yep. it's more about health. It's not like, it's not a, a rule of, around the aesthetic. Yeah. And the concept of beauty, some abstract concept of beauty. Yep. It's It has more to do with just wellness and health. So. No doubt. The amount of times that when I was going to like, to going into the office earlier than going out midway through the day to hit a workout, where particularly if I get like a cup or two of coffee in, in my body, I feel anxious. Mm -hmm. And the amount of times where I'm driving to the gym, feeling like everything is wrong with this world and then go just lay it all out for an hour and driving home Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden, or back to the office and all of a sudden everything's fine. (laughs) Countless times, countless times. Um, And for me, the, the physical is the absolute lead domino on pretty much everything else. Mm. Like I eat better when I'm going to the gym yeah, consistently. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, um, I'm in a better. St- I do it as much for my mental state as my physical state. Yeah, I mean, I I would not be able to not go suffer physically mm-hmm. basically every day. I just wouldn't be able to do it. Some people might be able to do it. I I wouldn't be able to. Doesn't yeah. always have to involve suffering though. Too. <laughs> you can do something that's take fun. your word for it. He suffers every single day. Every single day. Oh, well, my. I mean, unless yeah. you have to. S- scale a little bit no no i mean you you, suffer to the extent that you want to that day like i the way we're we're big fans of crossfit i finally got her into it a couple years ago lincoln just joined two months ago so now we go to 6 a.m and i'm liking that it sets the day great 
and he's always up, always ready, never complains. That's amazing. Um, he's all in. He wanted to do it last fall, but sometimes he gets his mind on stuff, and then he like obsesses about it, and then he does it for two weeks, and then totally yeah. forgets about it. And well, I wanted to make sure 11. it was going to stick. Yeah. And he was working out by himself on the back porch for January and February at 6 a.m. in the snow. Didn't matter. He was out there. Oh, and awesome. so I was, like, paying attention. So we got him a membership at our gym and go. But my um, – and that's been really great. It's been great for a relationship. It feels mm-hmm. like uh, – almost like a rite of passage. That's great. Like, it feels like if we were Native Americans on this land, about this time, <laughs> right. he would he would start to go with me hunting. Hunting, gathering. But that's not really yeah. a thing anymore. <laughs> awesome. So it's like, all right, come with me to the gym. Oh, that's really good. And you can – you can suffer and you can see me suffer. We'll do it together. You know, it's, it, it feels good. Um, but my only philosophy with it in terms of like, you don't have to suffer every day is show up, use what you got. Yeah. Cause yeah. some days you have more and other days Absolutely. like, Nope, there's nothing there. So you yeah. just use what you got. That's my only kind of, um, all right. What else? Good question. Yes. Uh, Oh yeah. I definitely want to ask this. So in the case of, Someone having, let's say, a less than ideal relationship with maybe their parent or parents. Mm. How could someone be sure not to just go ahead and pass that same area of brokenness along to their kids? Mm. Well, that's kind of the work I do as a counselor. Yep. I mean, that's kind of my bread and butter. There's a lot of that, you know, um, every day in the office, you're just history origin is always kind of coming into focus in terms of the present the future so um awareness yeah awareness is definitely i mean people ask me should everybody go to counseling everybody go to counseling and i always say everybody should live an examined life so most of the time you need you need to you need help to do the examination Mm -hmm. and so whatever that is for you a pastor counselor coach a friend that's really intentional so seek to live an examined life. And part of the examination is being aware of your history, you know. And and so, you know, I do a lot of story work with people, a lot of, you know, outlining their story, understanding their past, um, and uh, bringing up things maybe they've never talked about or seeing things in a new light. So opening yourself up to that, that actually can help a great deal in, the proper filtering of your history into your present because it all is going to come you you, you're going to it's going to influence your present and that you shouldn't apologize for that that's uniquely what you have to give to your kids but what you want to do is not necessarily reproduce some of the trauma the distortions you know the sin um and that was part of your upbringing into their life. And that, I think that the work of God in that examination process, you know, through a, through a helper can really, can help do that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and our kids are particularly powerful reflections to us of what's still lingering in there. They, they yeah. have a way of just kind of being themselves and reflecting that back to us. Kind of like, did you just catch yourself being like your dad or your mom? They don't actually say that, but in our struggle with them, sometimes we see that and, you know, shame is a deal killer. Like if we feel shame about our history or what's happened to us, there's still work that needs to be done. Grief is different. Grief actually is more productive 
it gets you into a place where you can really grow and learn and mature. But shame really gets you stuck and you actually end up reproducing, you know, um, a lot of that stuff in your life when it, when you're just stuck in shame. And again, that's, I think, you know, sometimes that requires some intentionality to really dislodge and address and, you know, move past. So, um, but I mean, I also, you know, I think it's important that our kids have a sense of history, that they come from somewhere, that they know us and our parents and our grandparents. I mean, there's, that's just really rich. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so it's like, it kind of helps them understand like who they are in the world and how they got here and, you know, what they're carrying forward, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's not something to hide from in the past. It's something to be aware of and examine, you know? Yep. Anything else you want to ask on this point? Um, no, not not any question that come to mind right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really good. Mm. That's really good. I feel like I've done a lot of work in the past couple years with with that, mm-hmm. just kind of personally. Yeah. Um, and I see a lot of things still coming through. Yeah. You know that I really know that still need to be worked on, mm-hmm. you know, but I think I'm aware of it. And I think awareness is huge. One of the first steps. Yeah. Um, and, and to like your, your, your kids being, eventually you'll be able to connect dots for them and speak very directly to things, but like showing them and speaking very specifically about how God's been at work in these areas of your life. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately what you want them to do is know Jesus. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways that they come to know Jesus is in our weaknesses and our deficiencies. Mm-hmm. That's what Paul says, right? When we are weak, he is strong. His grace is more than sufficient in our powerlessness. And so sometimes when our histories make us feel that way or we feel that way in those places where we feel stuck, that's a really powerful place to allow the truth of the gospel to come shining through in its most compelling way. Yeah. yeah. I really liked what you said earlier. I think it was at the beginning of the podcast where you were talking about um, just giving them freedom, just giving mm-hmm. them, you know, the, the maybe not putting those tight boundaries mm-hmm. around them. Um, because I had, you know, growing up Amish, I had mm-hmm. tight boundaries. And um, when, when we gained a better understanding of, who God was or who God is Mm. that also gave me a better understanding of how, how um, God has our kids. Like Mm. he has them, he's holding them. And so the pressure that was just kind of like taken off my shoulders was tremendous. But I think I still have to come back to that. I still struggle with that fear sometimes. Like, Mm okay, the boundaries are not tight here. Mm -hmm. I'm letting them, you know, I'm giving them freedom, but there's that, there's just occasionally that like fear that grips me. Like, what if this is wrong? What if Mm -hmm. I'm let, you know, and I know that's a part of like probably the devil using, you know, attacks on my life, you know, on, on me, on my mind, Mm -hmm. because every time that I cry out to God, I'm just like, I know you have them. Mm-hmm. I know that you do. Like, mm-hmm. just help me to be able to release that control of mm-hmm. maybe lo- those, like, 
they have to walk in the line because they have to walk this path because mm. what they do reflects back on how I am as a parent, you know, which was a big deal in that culture. Yeah. Like your kids, how your kids turn out, that is a huge reflection yeah. of how you parented. And so being able to release that um, and still releasing that is uh, has been huge. That's, I, I think that you're, what you're describing is, is such an important reality for a parent is they do reflect us, but not our honor or ultimately our identity mm-hmm. or our security or our standing before God. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like that's, they're not involved in that in terms of our salvation and hope. And so releasing them of that and releasing ourselves of that, you know, is the freedom that that we have been given in Christ and walking in that freedom then allows us to have so much more clarity and wisdom as to how to love them and care for them. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, fear just can makes the yeah. world really small and yeah. frightening. And, yeah. and so when we do that, it really narrows sit down and it just really a lot of anxiety production happens there, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think, Freedom is such a great quality in parenting, whereas like fear is just a real poison, you know, in parenting. Um, and freedom from a good foundation. Yeah, yeah freedom yeah. from that good foundation. Yeah. 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 And, you know, like, like think about like Paul would say, you know, he says all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. Like that's a radical kind of freedom. That if you really had a lot of rules, you'd be like, hang on a second, Apostle Paul. <laughs> Don't you want to say something else about that, you know? Mm-hmm. But that's, again, one of those, as your kids mature, that's a that's a great way of, like, saying, hey, anything's possible. You could go out and do anything. But let's talk about what's the best way to live. Let's talk yeah. about what's the better story to tell. Let's talk about what really is optimal, like your thriving self, you know? And that, to me, is like, that's a great, that's a wisdom that carries wisdom, mm-hmm. that kind of conversation. There's freedom in that. To yeah. Me. Yeah. And I think that's also where you find the enjoyment yeah. of the kids. You know, I yeah. think that's been our experience a little bit. It's just mm-hmm. like that, and I, I, that enjoyment of being with them. And I want to be able to do that more and more. Yeah. Like, I feel like we're finding our way or I'm finding my way you know, yeah. to that, to a certain extent. That, that's, that's really, awesome. that's awesome. That to me is the finding your way as a parent. That's a great way of describing what it is we do as parents. <laughs> yeah. We're really finding is. our way. Yes. It really is. You know, we walk by faith, yeah. you yep. know, in that space and, and God gives us grace when we need it, you know? Yep. And so thank the Lord for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so Finding our way. That's mm-hmm. that'd be a good title of a parenting book. See, so. I'm, not <laughs> right. I'm, not right. I'm sure that already exists, <laughs> uh, but we wouldn't know because we haven't read any of them. Um, did you find that song from uh, Luke? Oh, yet? yeah, no. Let me see. Noah. Yeah. No, yeah. Let's see which one it was. I think it was off the X and Y album. Yes, I love oh, that that's album. A good yeah. album. Heck and yeah. I think it was Speed of Sound. Yes. If I'm not okay. mistaken. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Very cool. His good taste in music. Yeah. So, well, he just spent a lot of time in the car, you know, and <laughs> yeah, so we, we, that's definitely something they were definitely influenced by. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. 
Um, well, that covers it as for in terms of what we wanted to touch on for sure. Oh, thank you guys. So Anything much else that us. you guys wanted to thank you touch on? Hey, thank you. No. Yeah, you thank you guys are very much. Like an inspiration. Oh, to absolutely, us. you guys are so kind. That's absolutely, very kind. The kids are awesome. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Well, You're and you guys grateful. are awesome. Well, thank yeah. you. We're very grateful. There, it's really fun right now. We got no, Reese is married. He's a school teacher at a charter school at a charter city. school okay. in Houston. Yeah. Okay. Inner city. Christina's his wife does college young life in Houston. Okay. And Noah, our middle son, he's graduating from seminary, about to start his PhD. He's about to get married. So he's in a really exciting time in his life. Chelsea is his fiance. She's about to start her PhD. So they're really academic and just amazing chasing after the things that are really important and Mm -hmm. exciting to them. And then Amy is our youngest and she's in studying architecture in Houston. Whitewater rafting. And whitewater rafting in the summertime. She can't stay away from the river. I know, right? (laughs) Well, that that was our darn fault, you know? Yeah, Yeah, no doubt. Took them every year. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No doubt. Had told them since they were a little bitty, well, y'all are going to work here, so. (laughs) So they've all had turns there. And yeah, Yeah. the first time we left Reese there and he was 16, 16. And we dropped him off, and we were just bawling like babies. Like, what are we doing? What a great experience, though. That it was, was awesome. Yeah. He wow. lived there for seven summers. Oh, so. wow. Wow. Yeah, so yeah well, they all are just, we're so thankful that they're all pursuing the things that bring them joy. They're struggling well mm-hmm. in their different seasons of their life, you know, and um, just really grateful for them. So. No doubt. Well, you guys are great, and your kids are too, but the other thing that um, I think we didn't talk about this, but I kind of felt coming into this conversation that would probably happen, which is, you know, like you guys are coming from a theological standpoint or a world, certain worldview that tends to strip away like the anxiety and fear, you know, mm-hmm. like we get kind of wound up mm-hmm. a little bit in like anxiousness or maybe even fear or concern or you know, pressure, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, but you're coming from a standpoint of, you know, basically the opposite of that, yeah. you know, like a Freedom. standpoint of security, yeah. which I think part of it does have to do with one's theology, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, if, if to be a Christian, you have to do everything just right. Yeah. That's a lot of pressure. And a lot of times in that circle, one of the top things on the list is being like a really a plus parent, which means your kids right. are well behaved and, they're doing some prescribed sort of behaviors or they're sure. not doing certain things that just, there's a lot of corruption inside of that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's anti-gospel in a lot of ways. Yep. You know, so that's, I appreciate you saying that. I appreciate you noticing that because I'm very thankful for that. You know, that God has brought that about in our life mm-hmm. and cultivated that in us. So. Yeah. Yeah. That is anti-gospel actually. Yeah. When you think about it. All right. Well, thank you guys again. Thank you. Appreciate guys. it very thank much. You. Yeah, and appreciate your sweet it. Sweet family. All right. Yeah, you do have a sweet family. <laughs> thank you. Good night, everybody. Good night. Try to catch me howling at the moon.